Let's stand and open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Today's topic is a, a really important topic, and we're just talking about basics here today. It, it's a topic that Jesus talked about. It's a topic that Paul taught about. It's a topic that John gives us insight into, and yet it is a subject that many times Christians in America ignore or we swing way out of balance to the place where uh, we are engaging in spiritual conflict every time somebody cuts us off in traffic. We need to understand the basic concepts of some things, and today we can't go into the full depth of the, of the spiritual world, but we need to get some insight into it and understand what's going on. And as we continue in our series on Wednesday nights, we'll be offering hopefully some classes That'll help you get a, a fuller picture of this. But look with me in Ephesians chapter 6 and listen to what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Father, we thank you today for your word that gives us insight into all things. Gives us insight into how to see you. Gives us insight in how to see ourselves. Gives us insight in how this world really works. Uh, we know that, Father, it would be easy for us to be blind to that, to just get caught in the flesh and the, in the physical instead of understanding the spiritual. But, Lord, we want to understand your truth and what your truth reveals to us. So help us today. And, Father, help us to bring balance and correctness into our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. The thought of an unseen world of another dimension seems to be the stuff of movies and science fiction. However, the concept of an unseen world is commonly accepted in the Bible. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve faced a deceiver and ended up surrendering the authority that was given to them over this earth back to him. Elisha was surrounded by an enemy army and his servant rushes in in fear. And Elisha says, go look again and prays that his eyes would be open. And he sees the spiritual forces of God all around them to protect them. Jesus in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, faces the temptation of the enemy trying to deceive him and to trick him. In John 10.10, Jesus says, the enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. John himself reveals to us at the end of the millennium, Satan and his angels will be cast into the lake of fire. The Bible is filled with hundreds of passages revealing to us what we need to know about the unseen world. And today we're going to just touch a bit on the subject 
and just give us a basis of, of truth so we can understand how to walk in this world. Here's the truth that you need to know. There is a spiritual world that can impact your families. They can, it can impact your life. In fact, there's a spiritual world that is impacting our lives. And there's a spiritual world that is impacting our family. The Bible tells us that there are forces of light and forces of darkness. That the power of the Spirit of God is now here among us. But the power of the enemy is around us as well. The forces of darkness are creations of God that are in rebellion to God. And at the head of the forces of darkness is an angel, a former, a fallen angel by the name of Lucifer or Satan. Now, now here's the truth about Satan. He's a fallen angel. He was found to be in pride. Pride, this core of, this is a, one of these core issues of life. Pride is, is this lack of acknowledging or recognizing who God is in our life and beginning to think we're all that to think that we are so self-sufficient and self-containing. Every now and then somebody will be going through a, a health issue and they'll say to me, boy, I just really come to realize in this, I've got to really depend upon God. And my statement to him is always, almost always the same. So we're really coming to the point where we really recognize where we should be all the time. We are dependent wholly and completely upon God. Now Satan is not all-knowing. God is all-knowing. God knows everything. Satan doesn't know everything. Satan is not all-present. He can only be in one place at a time. Here's the truth. Probably none of us in this room have ever in our lives come face-to-face, spiritually face-to-face with Lucifer himself. You've undoubtedly come face to face with some of his workers and some of his forces. Because, see, he's not all present. He can't be every place at one time. He is a real being, and he has command over other beings. This is why Paul writes to us and says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. There's an organized force to keep us from God's plan in our life. And remember, that force comes only to steal and kill and destroy. It's an enemy of God. It wants to destroy God, and it wants to destroy us. So how does this enemy really work? In Ephesians chapter 2, we get some insight into this. And we read, we read this chapter, this verse last week. I want to read it for you again this week with this in mind. And you were dead in the trespasses of sins and sins. What does that mean? Our spirit was disconnected with God. We are body, soul, and spirit. And our spirit that was supposed to walk in connection with God and was supposed to bring the values, the life, the strength of God into our lives was disconnected from God by sin. And we call that death, separation. 
So you were once dead in the trespasses and sin in which you walked, following the course of this world. I mean, what else were we left with? Following the course of this world. Now listen. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So we see how the, the, the enemy works as we are separated from God. We don't have the connection of God that brings fulfillment, wholeness, purpose, life into our very being. And we begin to look for purpose and life and the things that we want. And the flesh, the way of the world, is what is left to us. And so we follow after the passions of the flesh. It's where we get these things like, if it feels so good, how can it be so wrong? Because it feels good to us. It feels right to us. It appeals to us. The enemy and his forces, again, are not all-knowing when it comes to you and me. But they are diligent students of our nature. They work to influence our thoughts and to appeal to our base, to our base nature of, that is spiritually disconnected from God. So the enemy works diligently to influence the thinking and the values of those of us who are walking upon this earth with the simple motive to come to steal and kill and destroy. In 1 Peter chapter 5, he talks about this. He says, be sober-minded. In other words, stop and, and think about things. Don't just accept things as they are. But he says, stop and think about things. Really look, be sober-minded. Be, uh, be understanding that, boy, there, there's a son that's trying to influence me away from God. And as I walk through this world, a lot of voices are going to try to do that. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Pay attention. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by the, your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to, the, to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's saying, listen, you're going to face some temptation. You're going to face the enemy trying to deceive you. He's looking for someone to devour. So you've got to be sober-minded. You've got to be watchful. You've got to understand this is common. This is what's going on in the world. Don't fret about it, even in the moments of your struggle. Don't fret about it. Just be faithful. Stand firm in your faith. And in due season, the Spirit of God is going to move in your life and bring confirmation and strength into your very being. That's good news, isn't it? So here, the enemy's pictured as a, a, a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We want to we talk about that in a, in a moment, but let's, 
Let's take a little bit more of a, a picture of, of how he works in our life. Second Corinthians chapter 11. He says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also describe themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. He says he's also pictured as an angel of light. The intent is to devour us and to devour our children. His, his influence, he wants to bring influence into our body and our soul and our spirit to destroy them. And so you see the person who gets addicted into something of this earth, alcoholism or some other thing, and it literally, physically can devour them. But if he can't get us to physically be devoured, he gets into our spirits, into our souls, and begins to wreak havoc with our emotions with the intent of devouring and keeping us from peace and keeping us from joy and keeping us from the fullness of what God has for us. And he tries to get into our mind to devour our thinking and to corrupt our thinking so we don't think right and we don't see right and we don't act right. He's looking for people who are susceptible to being devoured in any one of those ways that he can do that. So if you're sitting here today with an addiction in your life that is controlling your life, this is, the, this is a work of the enemy trying to bring destruction to your life. And you need to come down at the end of this service, ask somebody to pray with you, ask somebody to spend a few minutes with you. You need to get set free. Are you hearing me today? But see, it's so, he's so subtle. If he can't get us there, then he tries to use the circumstances of life to mess with our emotions so that we're emotionally unstable or mess with our mind and our thinking through the influence of the world around us and the culture around us so that we think improperly. The enemy is a deceiver, a liar, and he appeals to the disconnected soul, to the disconnected spirit, to the disconnected body of mankind to do as it pleases. He appears to us as an angel of life. What does that mean? He looks good. He looks good. He sounds smart. But he speaks in ways that are contrary to the Word of God. See, any argument that takes us away from the Word of God is inspired by the enemy. The Word of God is immortal and true. You can depend upon the Word of God. It is right and correct all the time. And we can stand upon the Word of God. Now, we could take this, and in this case in particular, uh, Paul was talking about some preachers and people who were misusing the kingdom of God. So we could talk about uh, even preachers who really have a selfish, self-glorifying, prideful motive in why they do what they do and promote messages that are really about promoting them and getting things for them instead of promoting Jesus and getting things for Jesus, getting us to live for him. We could talk about that, and that's, that's one of the ways that, that, he, that he works. But listen, it doesn't stop there. We look today 
at, at talk show hosts, TV shows that are warm, that are appealing, that are funny, that present themselves as inclusive until you disagree with them. And many of them, I believe, don't even know what influence they're under. They are riding under the influence of the flesh. They are talking out of the influence of the wisdom of this world that sounds good and is appealing. And when you listen to it without the balance of the Word of God who shows us what the world is really like, you go, oh, that makes sense. If you would take the Word of God out of the picture many times, you'd go, oh, I, I understand what they're saying. But it's when you bring the Word of God into the picture that suddenly you see the corruption of what they're saying and how they're influencing our life. The person who stands for biblical truth in that place is ridiculed. They're attacked as being mean-spirited. So today, if the wrong word is said that rises against the culture of the flesh, the fury of the culture rises up to destroy it. And if, if a confused, hurting person makes a life-altering decision, he's celebrated instead of prayed for. Now maybe for some of us this seems far from us, but the influence of of the enemy on the culture impacts all of our lives. Here's one way. It stymies our testimony. The ability to even speak the truth is challenged. Not just passively, but it's challenged radically in the world that we live in today. It undermines our faith as we walk through this earth, as the constant flow of a culture and the words of a culture that are influenced by an enemy who comes to steal and kill and destroy, suddenly you find Christians, people who call themselves Christians, buying into and accepting things as truth that are absolutely contrary to the Scripture, and they think they're smarter and wiser and more adjusted because they've done so. And it impacts the beliefs of our children. It impacts the beliefs of our children because we are negligent and allow the voice of the angels of light to devour their minds. The subtle influence of the enemy impacts all of our lives in ways at time, that, that, that at times we completely miss until the revelation of God comes. This is why we've got to be sober-minded. We can live in a culture where the, where the flesh pushes us so much and the, the culture, the impact of the culture pushes us so much that suddenly we are buying into and accepting things and lifestyles that are so contrary to Scripture and yet we don't even see it because we have been surrounded by a, a sea of voices that seem smart and seem right, even though they're deceived. What are we to do? Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaching us how to pray. And I want to highlight this one verse in this, in this part of it. He says this, 
And bring, he said, teaches us to pray. He says, and bring us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is one of the things that the sober-minded believer does is we pray, God, help me to see clearly. God, deliver me from the temptation of evil. God, don't let me be a person of my culture. Let me be a person of your truth. Let me walk in your will. Let me walk in your way. Free me from how the culture's impacted me. Free me from how the enemy would impact me. And let me begin to think and see the way that you would have me think and see. Jesus taught us to pray for deliverance, to pray for ourselves, and to pray for those who are under our authority, to pray for our children, to pray for our spouse, to pray for our leaders. God, deliver them from the influence of this unseen world that's lined up against us. Let your spirit protect us. In James chapter 4, it says this, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. He warns us about being double-minded in this passage, about being a people who believe in God, but who live like the world. Don't be a double-minded person, but resist, resist the enemy. And we do that by submitting ourselves to God. God's way is the right way. Clarity to recognize a lie is knowing the truth. When Jesus was confronted by Satan, Satan used the word. He used Scripture to try to trip Jesus up. What did Jesus use? He used Scripture to refute the way the enemy was trying to destroy his thinking. The, the, the answer in all of our lives to see clearly is the Word of God and to know the Word of God. So our greatest defense against the lies of the enemy is the Word of God. Because of the enemy's influence on our culture, we've got to be really cautious. See, this is this is why we've done some of the things that we do. This is why we started a school. That's why we have a school, so we can put our kids someplace where it's going to be under the influence of the Word of God every day. It's why we do Calvary Academy. It's why we do things like Equip on Wednesday night, where we can come in and really take another, day of our, another hour of our week to really look at the Word of God, to make sure we're hearing the Word of God and being influenced by the Word of God. It's why we have things like small groups where you can get into them and you can talk about how to practically live out your faith and let the Word of God really be applied to your specific life. It's why we look at you and say, listen, get a Bible, you don't know which one to get, talk to us. Get a, get a Bible that you can read, that you can understand, that has some good study notes in it, and begin to read the Bible. Because as you read the Bible, as you study the Bible, as you sit in classes and learn about the Bible, as you talk with others about the Word of God, the Word of God will bring light into the path of your life, and you'll find yourself at times being pretty challenged, being pretty moved by the Word of God to move and walk 
in a different way and to live in a different way. How does the enemy get into our life? Well, first of all, he appeals to the desires of our heart. He appeals to our weaknesses. He looks at the person who really wants to get along with everybody and fit in. And he'll surround them with people that they want to fit in with that are just as much in darkness as they are. He'll appeal to the lust of our flesh. If he catches some guy and he figures out this guy's, boy, his eyes draw him to lust, he's going to fill him with opportunities to fulfill that desire. He's going to study who would. If he finds somebody who's easily angered, he's going to give him reason to be angry, to break relationships. If he finds somebody who wants something so much their way that they'll lie and cheat to get their way, he'll use that weakness to give them chances to lie and cheat and destroy relationships. He'll, he'll use whatever weakness is in us to push us to do things that separate our relationship with God. He appeals to the desires, the wants, the fears, the passions of our hearts. That's one of the ways. So we have to be sober-minded. We have to understand who we are. We have to understand what our weaknesses are. And so I would challenge you today. Do you know what yours are? Can you identify them? I would tell you, the sober-minded person, the person who's watchful, about their life. The person who's brought some self-judgment into their life can look and say, I see my weakness. Now listen, I can't blame my weaknesses on anybody else. I can't say this is the boss's problem, this is my wife's problem, or this is my kid's problem, this is my friend's problem. No, my weaknesses are my weaknesses. They're mine. And I've got to learn how to, with the power of the Spirit of God, overcome them. But I've got to be sober-minded enough to recognize what they are and to separate myself from those things. Here's the second thing he does. He deceives us because of ignorance. Ignorance is not bliss. It is just ignorance. The Bible teaches us to study to show ourselves approved. And so when we don't know the fundamental truth of the Word of God, when we haven't been diligent to become well-founded in our doctrine, to become well-founded about what we believe about God and who God is in our life, when we haven't become a, a people who becomes diligent to know the Word of God and know what it says about our flesh and about our soul and about our spirit and about how we are to live our life, then we are walking in a place of ignorance where the enemy can come into our life and use that ignorance to deceive us and move us away from the things of God. We need to understand this about our life, so we've got to be Diligent to know the Word of God. Listen, he can influence the ch children in our lives in a couple of places. Moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas. When there is a letdown of parental protection. Let me tell you, in the Old Testament, when, they, when the children of Israel were being set free from Egypt. Do you remember what happened at the very end? At the very end of the, the last plague, it was the Passover. 
and the, the, a child in every home, the firstborn in every home was going to die if, if what? If the blood was not on the doorposts of the house. Paul talks about this in Corinthians and appeals back to this in Corinthians, which gives us this great insight that our children are under our spiritual covering until the day comes that they walk out and they understand who God is on their own and they have to make a decision about God. But it's our responsibility, mom and dad, to keep that spiritual covering there. Dad had to go and put the blood on the doorposts. We have to keep Christ-centered in our lives. And when we don't, we open the door for the enemy to get into our homes and influence our lives and our families. How do we do this? How do we keep parental protections in place? One is simply by doing what Jesus already taught us, we pray for them that God will deliver them from the enemy. Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, let me ask you, when was the last time you just simply, just simply prayed for your child? God, as they walk out into this world, I pray you protect them. I pray you keep them. Let their mind think the right way. Let their heart beat the right way. Let there be a spirit of righteousness in them. Keep them from the influence of the enemy. Listen, mom and dad, I'm telling you, I think this is the greatest thing any mom and dad can begin to do on a regular basis for their children is to regularly, daily pray for them and ask God to protect them from the influence of the enemy. I think you make a lot of mistakes in a lot of other places, but if you're doing that, I think you're moving down the right road. And I want to encourage you, if you're not, start. Just start praying for their protection. Number two, we let it, we, but we do let them down when we don't do proper teaching, when we don't talk to them about things, when we don't make sure they're in places where proper teaching is taking place, where they can begin to hear the Word of God and know the Word of God, and really primarily, Mom and Dad, where you're doing some teaching about who you are and who they should be as they walk in faith. Number three, we let the protections down when we don't guard the influences of their life. Who are we allowing to influence in their life? What are we allowing to influence their life? What movies are we allowing to influence their life? What TV shows are we allowing to influence their life? What music is impacting their life? Are you guarding the things that impact their life? This isn't a call for us to shut everything off. It's a call for us to judge the things that we watch and to talk about the things that we watch and what are the values of God and what aren't. What are you doing? And finally, I would tell you, uh, we, we destroy this with parental hypocrisy. When our children find uh, things like pornography in, our, in, our, in dad's life, it opens the door to the enemy. When there's drunkenness in the home, it opens the door to the enemy. When there's anger and cursing in the home, it opens the door to the enemy. When there's manipulation in the home, it opens the door to the enemy. When we laugh at sin, it opens the door to the enemy. And when there's a lack of importance of the truth, when was the last time 
you had a spiritual conversation with one of your children? When's the last time you sat with your children, even when they're young, and talked to them about the importance of Christ in their life? See, I don't believe that starts when they're 13. I don't believe that starts when they're 10. I believe that starts the day they're born. I believe the earliest we can begin to start to have spiritual conversations and begin to talk to them about why we believe that we are the creation of God and that peace and joy and purpose and meaning is found in relationship with God. Right and wrong is found in relationship with God. The earlier we start that conversation, the more we protect them from the attack of the enemy in their lives. Tell them your story of deliverance. Tell them your story of salvation. Tell them your spiritual desires for them. Can you say them? Mom and dad, grandma and grandpa, can you say clearly your spiritual desires for your children? What you want for them and what you desire for them. Wow, you need to know how to say them and you need to be able to tell them. You need to be able to tell them so that the enemy can't get into our life. Now listen, as we kind of bring this to a close. Ushers, I'm going to let you go and get communion ready right now if you would. Once again, in John 10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. We walk into this world, and I want to tell you as you go out the door today, there is nothing to fear. The only thing we have to fear is our own disobedience. But we don't have to fear the enemy. Jesus is greater than the enemy. What Jesus offers us is more powerful than the enemy. We're called to be sober-minded. We're called to be watchful. We're called to be a people of, 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 of righteousness in our life. But we don't have to fear. When we do that, we don't have to fear an enemy. Yes, there's an unseen world. Yes, that unseen world is impacting our society today. And if your eyes are open, you'll see how it's impacting society today. You don't have to fear that. We have to pray against it. John, 1 John 4, 4 says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Amen? Amen? So as we sit here today, and I, as I raise my children... I didn't raise them in fear that the enemy was going to do something to them. I knew the enemy couldn't do anything to them as long as, they were, as long as we were praying for them. Are you with me today? We have to pray for the protection of their spirit. There's nothing the enemy can do to us that, the enemy, that God doesn't allow for a moment, but the day of deliverance is always coming. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Father, we stop this moment, and we're, this is the second we're going to receive communion together. We believe that something spiritual happens when we do this. We believe that as we receive this, Father, and Father, you strengthen our spirit and you reveal to our spirit. Today we've given just a very brief, just a, a brief touch on the unseen world. And, and I pray, Lord, that for everyone in this room, that, Father, there would be a connection here today. There would be an understanding here. Not one of fear, but as we are aware, Father, one of determination and one of faith that because you are with us, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world.
Now, Father, in these next few moments, as they put in our hands these elements of communion, let us examine our hearts closely. Let us see in our spirits closely, Father, uh, your will and your direction for us in Jesus' name. Amen. You love the Lord today? Amen. Nothing to fear. Amen? Amen. But be sober-minded. Study yourself. Study the Word. Don't let the enemy impact your life. I'm going to ask some of our prayer teams to come down front right now. And, and uh, if you'd just step out and come. We're going to sing one last song. And if today you're struggling with something in your spirit, today you're needing direction for something, today you want to make sure your life is right with God, today you need healing in some area of life, come down and let somebody pray with you today before you go. We're going to sing one song. We're going to celebrate who God is in our life. I want you to go in the strength of God today that you have the power of God living within you. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Amen? Bless the Lord. Amen.